The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. I'm Bakes, Kevin Baker. I'm going to teach you how to make money in up and down markets. Very few podcasters or coaches cover this. I'll show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses to make you a better investor. So once a week, you're going to know what's going on in the world and the stock market. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. How you doing, folks? This is Wednesday the 10th. Uh, sorry, Wednesday at 10 a.m. on the 8th. I'm Bakes, Kevin Baker, Stock Market Authority. And what's in this for you? Uh, markets don't make sense. And I'm going to do my damnedest to, to make uh, some sense of some of the questions that I'm getting. Uh, I'm going to open the mailbag. We're going to go through Moderna and Uber and UBS. And we're going to go through the Stock Market Authority portfolio. I'm the only crazy person that podcast that puts out their real portfolio uh, and keeps my feet to the fire. This is my search for the 10 best ETFs that are out there so that we can make money every year like we did last year when everybody else was down. But right now, today's top story. Uh, markets don't care what you think. And uh, uh, that just uh, I know that, that might shock you, but uh, uh, th this is spawned by a question from, from Charlie from New York. And it, was, it, was, it encompassed so much I made at the top story this week. And uh, he asked, uh, why aren't we seeing a massive impact to the, the oil and energy markets from the two major wars that are going on in, in the um, you know, non-U.S. oil-producing regions of the world, Russia and the Middle East. And uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. I've got some thoughts. Uh, first of all, as always, uh, for those of you that can see this, this is the, the chart of the XLE, the Energy Select Sector ETF. And this is about as broad as it gets, big as it gets. Uh, Exxon and, and Chevron are 40% of this. Uh, uh, they've done uh, two huge acquisitions recently, but the chart looks lousy. And so that's what, one of the things that, this is the reason I use charts, is that, you know, I come up with, with, with uh, theses like, like you just did and say, okay, well, that's great. Let's go look at the charts. And if the charts confirm it, then, okay, I'll do more work. But if the chart, the chart wins, period, all the time. And, and uh, so that's why, you know, headlines and, and uh, uh, pundits and all these things, I discount those very, very heavily because the market is the final arbiter. And, yes, it sounds very logical to think that when Russia invades a country, oil prices should spike. And when Israel goes into war again, that uh, oil prices should spike. Uh, Israel produces no oil, by the way. Uh, I think it's nothing. Gary Goldman used to say that, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the you know, God put the, 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 the Jews where uh, the only piece of uh, Middle, Middle Eastern real estate without uh, oil underneath the surface. Anyway, um, but okay, here's why I think this is happening. First of all, the chart crashed down through the 200-day on big volume. Maybe people didn't like the big deals that I just mentioned uh, from Chevron and Exxon, maybe. I think more likely there's been no supply disruptions yet. And, and so other sources came in to make up for, for, for the, uh, the Russian output. The Saudis continue to pump, and they want to be in this sort of, you know, uh, $80 range, give or take, or north. Uh, and uh, so there's been no big supply disruption yet. Now, as I mentioned previously, 
from podcasts that I've listened to and other things that I've read, it just seems like that down the road, given the 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 uh, Israel Israeli Hamas situation, that oil producing countries, Iran. Uh, uh, and and other uh, nations could embargo and and create spikes in uh, uh, oil prices down the road, but it's not happening now. It's not happening now. Uh, also, I'm hearing a lot more about uh, some sort of a negotiated resolution to the Ukraine conflict. The Ukraine conflict. The uh, uh, Ukraine offensive has stalled. Uh, there's been no gain, uh, 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 ground uh, gained over the last, I don't know, four months, five months, six months. And there's more uh, discussion about finding a, some sort of a solution to this. So maybe that war goes goes off to the side. We'll see what happens. The Saudis have been very disciplined, so they're you know, they, they have a lot of flexibility over the short term to to provide enough oil to the market so that uh, prices stay okay. Uh, this past uh, Friday, there's a re- reports of China weakness. That can't be, be, be helping things. And maybe it's signaling that the rest of the world and the U.S., the economy, the recessions that we've been looking for might be happening down the road. I don't personally buy that right now, but the price action tells me that the, the uh, supply is, is, is plentiful and uh, demand might be a question mark. So that's why I think the logic doesn't work out. You have to go through the, the, the different pieces of, of oil supply and demand. And again, you know, I have not owned ENP. I've been talking about this. I own a small part of the oil and gas services. And I, I've been looking, I go through 3,300 charts every single month. And I don't find any energy that I, that I want to buy right now. So I hope that that gives you some uh, sense about the energy market. But more broadly, you know, what you think is logical doesn't play itself out. And, and I'll go back to a couple of examples. Stocks ripped in the middle of COVID. It was, they were down for about three months, and then uh, stocks just reversed to the upside because the Fed basically said, uh, interest rates are going to zero. We're going to do whatever it takes, and we want you to get into, into uh, higher-risk assets. And so they bid everything up. And frankly, you know, I thought the world was going to, you know, going to hell in a handbasket too, and uh, the, the Fed bailed us out. What scares me is the time that the Fed tries to save the day and the market yawns and doesn't care. That's what I'm concerned about down the road. Haven't seen that yet, but that's something that I'm looking for. Um, uh, same thing with with defense stocks we've talked in the past. You know, it seems logical. Uh, conflict goes up, and, uh, and, and the defense stocks should work. And frankly, the defense stocks work all the time because the lobbyists are really good at what they do, and senators and representatives have defense uh, plants and, and companies in their district, and they just get paid, and they get overpaid, as we discussed. They're fleecing the American people, but frankly... I don't see that changing anytime soon. So whenever you come up with something that you think is is obvious and logical, go to the charts or ask me, because uh, I've been doing this for 25 plus years, and the market will say, yeah, that confirms that or that negates that or obviates that. And um, uh, that's why you know economists can't pick stocks. 
stocks. Newspaper headlines can pick stocks. And I think that uh, the, the discipline that we bring to the table, I hope is helpful. And I think it has been, but uh, I, I want you to see that. So things could change with the oil market. I think that there are possibilities, but I, I'm not there right now. And I don't think you should be either. So um, that's a, what I have for that. Uh, go to my website, please, stockmarketauthority.com. Sign up for my free newsletter. You get my how to sell video that is is still valid. Amazon is still below the price that we talked about over a year ago. And uh, uh, I come in every single day with uh, new ideas that come up outside of this podcast. So that's today's top story. Now it's time to check the mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. You got mail. Uh, Heather from Cambridge, Mass, uh, uh, came in and said, uh, I'm a ShareScoop subscriber. What do I do with Moderna, mRNA? And uh, it's a sell. It is a flat-out sell. And, you know, go someplace else if you want uh, uh, (laughs) more ambiguity. But uh, uh, this stock went from 20 to 400 in COVID when they got the vaccine approved and probably it was probably undervalued at 20 and it was probably overvalued at 400, but the market did what it does and, 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 and uh, drew this up. Uh, and my cell discipline, and I can't recall if we talked about this in, in prior episodes, but you know, I guess go back and look at, at uh, these three red arrows that I have here and my cell discipline again worked and it would have got you around 265 or so. And here we are at 73. And so uh, the market is a, you know, maybe uh, uh, Moderna did a wonderful thing for humanity and for the country or whatever, but it's, you know, what have you done for me lately? And the market is, is a uh, cold calculating beast. And, uh, you know, so you have this huge slide from 265 down to 73. And for many, COVID's over. And you can't get people to, to uh, uh, get, take money out of their pocket, go to CVS, wait, and, and get vaccinated. It's just, you know, it doesn't, it is, the urgency isn't there anymore. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But uh, then the question becomes, okay, what's next? And apparently they don't have a, you know, any phase three data coming up for, for, you know, some new vaccine or other drug that treats something else that gets people excited and the government stopped paying. So now it's the insurance companies and, and, and the individuals that have to pay for the COVID vaccine, which was their only game in town, and they're burning cash. And so until there is an act two, uh, I don't see what moves this up. And people can say, oh, well, it's come down so much. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. There's so many things to do out there that you don't need this. You don't need this. So unless you have some some uh, sort of insight into their next drug and their next phase three data or their next approval and a multi-billion opportunity, this is dead money. And, and I just don't want you to have it. And, you, you know, it should have been gone at 265. Here we are at 73. I don't find a reason that this is going to go up anytime soon. So sorry about that, but that's the way I see it. Uh, Dan from San Francisco writes in. He's another ShareScoop subscriber. They talk about this a lot. Uh, Bakes, Uber, buy, sell, or hold. Uh, it's a buy. It's a buy. Uh, not cheap, but uh, I, you know, I'm not Graham and Dodd here, so you, know, you do the valuations that you feel comfortable with. But 
They just became gap profitable. The brand name is is like uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know Kleenex right now. Everybody knows exactly what it is. It's become a, a, a verb, and um, uh, the earnings report was wonderful. The the gripe before was that the 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 way they said they were profitable, you had to adjust everything and take things out. They're gap profitable right now, uh, and they're growing. Uh, Lyft is, I think, getting its head kicked in by them, and this is a classic, beautiful chart that I would have stopped on if I was going through all of them out there. This is hitting new highs on big volume. You see that arrow down there in the bottom right. And uh, I think you got something here. Now, you know, can the valuation expand much? Maybe not, but maybe it can grow into it. So uh, I think this looks pretty attractive here. And, um, uh, you know, good for the new management team that came in. And uh, it's a pretty looking chart. And I I think a compelling opportunity. Looks like they're going to grow 60% next year. And, um, you know, I think you got a winner. So good for that. Uh, Margaret from Philly uh, writes in, uh, I work at UBS. What do I do with the stock? Uh, you, if you're full, you hold it. And if not, you buy it. And uh, again, I hope I'm not being vague. This is the best bank chart out there. Better than JP Morgan, which people genuflect to and hang on Jamie Dimon, the CEO's every word. This is a, the best looking bank chart out there, in my opinion. The Credit Suisse deal was great. Uh, they got it at a great price. It's turning out better than they thought. The the government backstop that they thought they needed, they do not. Their wealth management business is full of uh, six foot four, handsome progeny of mine. I'm kidding. My son Jack works there, and um, uh, but it is just a pretty pretty chart with an earnings report that was greeted warmly and uh, uh, and and seeing all the kinds of technical things that I like a consolidation on low volume. Uh, reacts positively to, to good news and, and the stock working up. So uh, I, I think this has got a long way to go. It, especially, there's another dynamic here. You know, this is sort of my how Wall Street really works. If I am a, a long-only manager, I run a pension or, or a mutual fund where I have to own pieces of these groups, and I either own banks or you know need to ha- increase my exposure to banks, and I go through all the things that are out there, I can buy City, which is going through its usual problems and will always trade below book value, which is always what people bring up, or you can buy where things are good and getting better at UBS. And I, I think that's the way people are going to go. So I think you have a fund flows argument where the stock goes up as well. So to all the people that are there, hold on to the stock and uh, applaud the Credit Suisse deal because it's working out great. So that's it for the mailbag this week. If you want to write into the show with any questions or comments, email me at bakes at stockmarketauthority.com. Even better, leave me a voice recording. I love those. And we can play your questions on the show. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Stock Market Authority portfolio, and I'll give you this week's Bakes Takes. You're listening to Stock Market Authority. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Do you want to become a better investor? Do you want to learn how to make money in both up and down markets? then you need to go to stockmarketauthority.com and sign up for our free newsletter today. Stock Market Authority is run by award-winning investment manager Kevin Bakes Baker. His aim is to save you time while teaching you how to be a better investor. Bakes saves you time by diving into all the latest stock market news and information so that you don't have to. 
He reads all the latest articles, analyzes the charts, and listens to all the relevant podcasts. And then once a week, he gives you a breakdown of what's happening in the market. Stock Market Authority is constantly outperforming the S&P and the HFRX. Bakes is going to share with you his weekly stock observations. He'll give you concise insights and show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses. Stock Market Authority is making money in up and down markets. Wouldn't you like to do the same? So join now and let Bakes show you how. Head on over to stockmarketauthority.com and sign up for our free newsletter today. That's stockmarketauthority.com, making money in up and down markets. We're back, and we've been talking today about markets don't care what you think. Uh, stock market doesn't care what you think. And, uh, and I'd like to keep my feet to the fire, as I mentioned. So October's in the books, and, and here's the, the results. And uh, we're up 18.53% since we started this in the middle of COVID. We made money last year. Uh, the hedge funds are up 6.85%. We beat them over those periods by 2.7 times, which I think is pretty good. We can go short. That's why I compare myself to the hedge funds. I think there's a market out there for, for uh, people who at least want to try to have an all-weather fund and, and make money every year, and that's what I try and do. Um, uh, you know, we're down this year. I don't like that. We're down 12. The market's up 14. I'm busting my tail to make that up. Um, but here's the, the, the portfolio case by case. Uh, we own 10 ETFs. That's out of 3,300. I find 10 that I want to invest in. And if I have forced displacement, so I try to have the great uh, kick out the good, if you will. And uh, by and large, it works. By and large, it works. You'll notice... I don't have any big losses. My biggest loss is 7%. I just don't let it happen. And uh, I can't tell you how freeing it is that I don't have to spend time on big losers. It just, it just works. It just works. Let your winners run. Cut your losses short. And, and uh, that's how we can make money every year. So far, so good. And uh, my end game is eventually I'd love to have a, a become your hedge fund, have the Bakes ETF and do this and just have it, you pull it off the shelf, have it coupled with the S&P 500 index fund and then have this so that, you know, we can have some home runs like shorting Kathy Wood, like uranium I think is going to be. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think it'd be a good service. So, so come back to me with any thoughts on that. We're 24% in uranium. I've talked about this a lot. Had a kind of a soft week, so what? You can't expect it to go up every, every, uh, every day. But the uranium story, spot prices at 74. I think we eventually test the, the prior high at 140, and these stocks are going to rip, in my opinion. Uh, we're 7% oil and gas. Again, I couldn't find any EMPs that I liked. I like these. This is my worst uh, uh, ETF right now, and it's on a short leash. I'm not going to kid you for all the reasons that I just talked about at the top story. So uh, stay tuned to that. We're 4% in technology, and that's way down because of, of what I mentioned in prior shows, that I just see technical deterioration as bonds hit 5%. Uh, we saw uh, Apple... And, and Tesla become, I, I think, ugly-looking charts, and the other five are okay. 
at best. So uh, of the Magnificent Seven, now the Modest Five. And uh, we acted accordingly. We can change. I can change. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I call them like I see them. We're 14% in Bitcoin. That's working out really, really well. 10% in Egypt, and, um, uh, which I know is, is unorthodox, but that's what I like. I like to be able to go anywhere and, uh, and not be tied to an index. And that flexibility, I think, serves us well. We're 7% in Ethereum. That has really started to act well. 52-week highs uh, this past week, and uh, I think more to come. We're 7% short real estate. I wish it was the San Francisco apartment building uh, a short ETF, but it isn't. But the data centers, the cell towers, the warehouses, they look ugly too. And as interest rates go up, which I think we just took out a 40-year uh, downtrend, the, the price of real estate is coming down in my view, in my view. We're short the small caps, Russell 2000, 4%. Uh, there, there's a lot of money losing companies in this uh, uh, index, and uh, the a lot of regional banks, and those are two ugly places to be. And so we're short those. I think we're going to buy those. Uh, that's obviously uh, selling high and buying low, reversing the usual chronology. We're one percent in Pakistan, which I know sounds quirky, but there are uh, uh, positive changes happening there that I'll talk about. Uh, down the road as I build that up when I see certain things happen. Uh, and we're 19% in cash. So uh, we might top off these 10% or we're always looking for, uh, again, the great to supplant the good. And uh, I'll keep you apprised of that uh, both here, uh, but also on my uh, daily newsletter and in my social media posts. So please uh, subscribe, follow, and share. And that's how we're invested uh, the 8th of November. I can't believe how far this year is going. Uh, let's get into this week's Bake Stakes. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm reaching out to student-managed investment funds. Uh, you guys study the textbooks, and I'll teach you the, the, the school of hard knocks, how to sell uh, how to read charts, and how Wall Street really works. So please, uh, I think I can add a lot of value there, and I'd love to, uh, to have you join the, the Stock Market Authority family, if you will. Uh, I'm very likely going to launch a premium substack and a, and a, a premium course uh, where the substack, I'll have a lot of this stuff for free, but then for new ideas and particularly uh, looking at your stocks, ETFs, and ideas, I'll have that uh, in, the, in the premium service. And then a course where I teach you how to read charts because I'm finding that, that uh, this weekly dose doesn't seem to get the, the, the nuance or the details of how I read charts. And I want you to get uh, as close to be seeing what I see uh, at some point down the road. I really think, especially if you're in your 20s and 30s, it's a wonderful skill to have so that you don't lose a lot of money. Uh, and sometimes you can make a lot of money. But my main thing is I don't lose a lot of money ever. And that's a strong statement, but it's, it's a fact. And I've learned this over a, lot, a long time. And, um, you know, I want to uh, have this become profitable so I can keep doing this. And I need your help. So be, keep an eye out for that. Fire ideas at me. And now, uh, Charlie's questions from New York were, were so great. I put them into, into uh, bake steaks this week. Uh, the first off is, and I'll paraphrase a little bit, the, I mentioned the Howard Marks memo. And he talked about uh, 
you know, shifting money from, from stocks to bonds. Now, he runs distressed debt bonds, and so he's talking his book, which is fine. Uh, everybody does that, and he sure doesn't need it. He's a billionaire. He's brilliant, and his memo is, is must-reading, in my opinion. Uh, and then Charlie talks about corporate balance sheets are, are, are very strong. Uh, you know, do you want to put some money into fixed income, and how does a retail investor get exposure to private credit? Bunch of things there. Number one, uh, if you're young, most of you are, 20s and 30s, uh, you know, I think fixed income ought to be a tiny part of your portfolio. Stocks went over the long haul. Uh, if you have income and enough to pay your bills and live on, th- this isn't financial advice. I don't know your whole picture. But, uh, you know, you can own uh, a risk-free uh, government-backed funds that earn you 4 or 5%. And to, to, I don't care what they say, if you go into private credit and they pay you 300 to, 3% to 5% more than that, kind of who cares? You're taking more risk. Yeah, you're getting paid. But let the endowments and the foundations uh, uh, you know, play that game with you know, their asset allocation. For you, I think you should have enough cash around, literally cold, hard cash for emergencies, and and you know then being invested in um, uh, in equities, uh, I'm going to go dig this up. I couldn't because I was up till you know three in the morning writing this. Uh, there's in this week's Barons or the week before they talked about this, uh, and there's a there's a couple of uh, there's this, you know four or five private uh, credit funds that are out there. I don't know if they're ETFs. I think they're mutual funds that that do do this. Uh, but you, you are taking on more risk, and you're getting paid for more of that. Um, I'm not wild about it, obviously. You can figure that out. I do think that it's a growing area because the, the, the restrictions they've put on the banks after the great financial crisis, both the Federal Reserve and the government, means that uh, they can't lend the way they used to. And uh, they, they so capitalism being what it is, the hedge fund said, yeah, we'll come in there and charge you know, a, a, a higher spread if you want to refinance your warehouse or your shopping mall or your apartment building. And uh, I think it's going to be a good business for them. For investors, I, I question it. I really question it. Um, I don't want to be too downbeat. Next, you ask about real estate, uh, you know, investing in real estate, given how much things have sold off. Uh, for your home, I think that's awesome. Okay, and I think you should look at it as, as as a consumption item, not an investment item. If you make money on it when you sell it down the road, great. But I think it should just be: I like the neighborhood, I like the school district, I want to live here. Uh, it works. If I have to go to the office, it works for that standpoint. I don't have to stretch too much. I have a down payment. Uh, you know, all I think it should be looked at is: I like this place. I want a roof over my head, and if it makes money, great. You know, and I, this is from a guy who I own four houses and I lost money on two of them, which is really hard to do, apparently. So real estate does go down sometimes more than you think. In terms of other real estate, I have a hard time seeing this be the bottom. Uh, I th- again, I think we took out a 40-year downtrend in interest rates, and I think that's going to go up for a while. And I think that uh, as we roll through... 
I'm seeing a lot of uh, anecdotes about uh, San Francisco apartment buildings uh, being auctioned at, at 60% down. Uh, two different Boston office buildings, not, you know, not premium, but, you know, space, if you will, and uh, those go getting cut in half from the prior sale. And with real estate, you know, commercial real estate, it isn't 30-year mortgages, it's five years, and then you have to go refinance, and now they're going through and refinancing, and they're saying the rate used to be five, and now it's nine, and we're not going to lend you what we lent you the last time. And I think that's going to be dominoes that go for a while. Now, if you have uh, a special situation that you research really, really well, where you have an edge. I've got a friend, dear friend of mine, uh, and when when banks were blowing up, because they do it all the time, this was 89, 90, 91, uh, he came in with three of his friends, scraped the money together, bought the Wang Center for next to nothing, down 99%. That's not a, uh, that's, that's a fact, 99%. And then refinanced it and, and, and sold it to institutions, and it changed his life and, and launched his career. So that can happen, but make sure it's something like that where no one else could show up for the auction because they were putting out their other fires, and you buy that kind of real estate. So I hope I'm, I'm uh, being helpful there. I'm also uh, short real estate, REK, that we talked about in the portfolio because data centers and, 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 and warehouses and cell towers look awful. So that uh, uh, colors my judgment. Next, uh, uh, I want to give a nod to J.C. Peretz, uh, uh, who's become a friend. And uh, I wanna, this is a good time of the year for stocks. And, uh, but I always, if, if it's a battle between seasonality and charts, I'm going to lead to the charts and he's a technician as well, but he kind of leans more on November, December, January, the best time of the year. And it is, and it's an average and it works over time. Will it work this time? Maybe, but I just, when I go through the charts and I see Tesla and Apple looking like they do, I kind of go, something's wrong here, and, and it's time to play some more defense. So I acknowledge the, that these are good months. September is always the worst, or averages is to be the worst. And um, uh, I'm, I'm giving a nod to seasonality, and I'm open to changing my mind. But right now, the charts are telling me uh, roll over, they're rolling over a little bit. And he also points out that the S&P new lows hit a high back in October before the price new lows, and that divergence gives him some optimism. So I put it out there for, for what it's worth, uh, and I acknowledge it, but I'm just, I have to go by going through 3,300 charts and doing what I've been doing for 25 years, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm not wildly optimistic at this point in time. Lastly, uh, and this is anonymous because they wanted to be, and I'll, I'll do more work on this, uh, anti-ESG ETFs. And it turns out there's, a, there's a, a bunch out there. My friend Matthew Tuttle has two uh, that he's filed. One is guns, G-U-N-Z, which is not just guns, but also anything that, that deals with uh, uh, security concerns, uh, alarm systems, and, and what have you. Uh, and that's going to launch in the near future. And GWGB, Go Woke. 
won't go broke. Uh, he's got a, a sense of humor and his tongue in his, uh, firmly in his cheek. But, uh, you know, going against, uh, uh, you know, Disney and Target and, and things like that. So if, you, if you're so inclined. I'll go through that in more detail uh, probably in, in the newsletter and on my social media posts. But I wanted to be uh, responsive. Uh, please go to my website, stockmarketauthority.com. Please sign up for my free newsletter. And those are my baked takes for this week. As we close out today's show, as I talk about real estate going down, uh, I always like to end with some much-needed levity. Uh, please click on the description below. Uh, this is an oldie but a goodie. This is Don Gavin, a, uh, a Boston comic with a wonderful accent. Uh, and uh, this is, I come from a big family, forefathers. Uh, I didn't bury the lead. There's a lot, there's a lot more funny stuff in the, in the vet. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And mom and dad, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty clean. Uh, that's it for today's show. Tell me what you want me to talk about next week. I love having the emails. I love the texts. I love the voice memos, uh, especially from Australia. And uh, uh, keep, uh, uh, keep firing in. I'll see you soon. God bless you. Go to my website, stockmarketauthority.com. Sign up for my free newsletter and listen to that great guitar work. I'll see you. God bless. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.